We appreciate the opportunity that God has given us this morning to meet here as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship Him. We appreciate the opportunity that is given Yvonne and myself to assemble here with you this day. And our prayer is that God will be pleased with the things that we glean from His Word. Thank you for the prayers on my behalf. The God that created me knows how desperately that I do need them. We thank you for your support of Yvonne and myself and the spreading of the gospel. Thank you. We appreciate you. Brother Jackson asked me what I had this morning, along with Brother Dusty, and I said, well, I hope it's God's Word. And I told him the study of the morning Brother Craig Key will help me with, but there's a message from Craig, if, it, if it's not scriptural, his name's not on it. <laughs> but... He brought this to my attention a couple of months ago, and and he preached it the same day I did. He preached it in Amarillo. I preached it at Center Street. And he called me after it was over, and he said, Well, you're still alive, so they didn't stone you. And then he made this statement. He said, Reuben, I think your problem is, one of your main problems is you ad lib. You get your think-sos and your opinions in there, and and... If you just leave them out, just give them God's Word, I think you'll be okay. So that's what we want to try to do this morning as we take a look at God's Holy Word. This statement, God made man's mouth. You know, when I first took a look at this, I thought, well, I never had thought of it before. About God actually making my mouth and... and we talk about evangelism. You know, sometimes we fear to speak for God. <coughs> and if you're here this morning, and in that category, we're afraid to mention His name. We're afraid to share His Word with mankind. If we are here this morning in that category, we're not by ourselves because there was a man by the name of Moses that lived well I didn't mean to do how do you get the the pointer the beam okay by the by the name of Moses that had the same problem some years ago around 4000 years ago now remember, this guy was in the back part of the desert. <clears throat> he had his sheep or goats or whatever he was taking care of and he had wandered back into the back part of the desert what to call the mountain of God. And then all of a sudden he saw a bush that lit, lit up. You know, it was on fire. It wasn't being consumed. Now remember, this guy was 80 years old at this particular time. And to my understanding, brothers and sisters, correct me if I'm wrong, my soul is at stake. I don't think God had ever spoke to this man in all his 80 years until this day. 
80 years old. The back part of a desert, taking care of his sheep or goats or whatever he had. A bush lights up. And then God tells him, what? Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. I don't know about you, that'd get my attention. Wouldn't it get your attention? Just all of a sudden, just boom. And he did. He took his sandals off. And God began to tell him what he wanted him to do. And and all of a sudden, in chapter 3 of Exodus, he says, who am I that I should go? Who am I? I'm an old man. I'm 80 years old. Hadn't been back in Egypt in 40 years. Who am I that I should go? You ever been asked to share God's Word with somebody? Friend, co-worker, relative, enemy? Do you ever make the statement, Well, who am I? They ain't going to listen to me. Well, guess what? You're not alone in that category. Because Moses made that statement about 4,000 years ago. Moses answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they'll say, The Lord has not appeared to you. Then Moses said to the Lord, O my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since. Now, key in on these four words right here. Neither before nor since. Why did he tell God that? God, before you ever talked to me, I wasn't eloquent. I'm slow of speech. I'm slow of tongue. I got a speech impediment. Why did he tell God that? The Lord said unto him, Who hath made man's mouth? Now let's try to key in on the picture here. He's in the back part of the desert. He's got a herd of sheep or goats or whatever, and he's come up against the mountain of God, and the bush lights up with fire. And God says, there's something I want you to do. Then he asked him this question, who made man's mouth? Who makes the dumb? You know, I've always, and if you've talked to me or been around me, I've always made the statement or some statement concerning not being the brightest stone in the wall. God said, who made the dumb? Who made the deaf? Who made people that they can see? Or who made the blind? And then here he answers the question he asked Moses. Have not I the Lord? You see, the point here is... God made my mouth, and He made your mouth. He made Moses' mouth. If I'm here and not too bright, you know who made me that way? God. If I'm here and I cannot see physically, who made me that way? God. If I'm here and I can see well, who made me that way? God. 
That's what he told Moses. Almost somewhere around 4,000 years ago. And here's what he said. Go, I will be thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. And what did Moses say? <laughs> We're always trying to make excuses why we can't do something that God tells us to do. Whoever you sin, he still wants out of it, don't he? He still wants someone else to do what God had told him to do. I want you to go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He didn't want to go. Why? Why? What was he afraid of? God had told him everybody that was trying to kill you is done dead. They're all dead, Moses. Everybody that sought your life is dead. What was he afraid of? And then the anger of the Lord was kindled. Now this is right after Moses said, Whoever you sin, just send somebody else. Now this word kindled here means set on fire. God was hot. He was angry. He got angry at a man making excuse after excuse after excuse after excuse of why he couldn't do what God told him to do. He didn't just get aggravated. He got on fire. He was angry. You know what that means? Have you ever <laughs> have you ever told anybody Time and time and time. And finally you get all you can take. And then you say something like, I said, whether you're talking to your co-workers or friends, relatives, children, but you've got enough and you wasn't going to take any more. That's how God was. When Moses said, send somebody else. He said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know. Now, key in on what he's saying. I know that he can speak well. You see, God knew all along Moses had a speech impediment. He knew he was slow of speech. He knew that. Moses didn't have to tell him. He also knew that Aaron evidently was an eloquent speaker. Because here's what he said, I know that he can speak well. Why do I know that? I created him. Just like I created you, Moses, with your problem of speech. You see, he says to the prophet Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Well, what does that mean? Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee. Before thou was, before thou camest out, before you was even born. Before I formed thee in the belly, you know what that means? Before his mother and father ever thought about him, God knew him. You see, that's the reason it's a sin to kill a baby. Call it abortion. Why? 
Because when God forms something, He puts a soul and a spirit together with human flesh. It's called, we call it conception. It's God. They're God's creation. However He creates them. And it's a sin to kill them. You see, God knows what you can do. And God knows what I can do. Because He knew us before we was ever even thought of. My mother and dad. <coughs> he said, who am I that I should go? They will not believe me. They won't listen to my voice. Have you ever made these statements to anyone throughout your life when it was concerning God, whether it's your co-workers, your friends, your relatives, your enemies? Have you ever made the same? Well, they ain't going to listen to me. Let me get my elders or, or let me get my preacher or whatever. Anybody else but not me. Let's see, if you made them statements, you're not alone because Moses beat you to it about 4,000 years ago. Lord, I can't speak. I'm slow of speech. Send someone else. You see, God didn't accept His excuse. <coughs> and what God told Him is, <coughs> take Aaron with you. And that's God's message to you and me today. We don't want to go by ourselves. Take somebody with us. But i got a message. You see, God owns our mouth. He owns you. He owns me. He made us. He created us. Now, remember that Moses was raised under Pharaoh's rule or house. This guy had the best education that Egypt could afford. He was raised in the king's home. He knew the laws. He knew the language. For 40 years, he was in the king's house. The best of the best. The best education. Raised possibly to be king of Egypt. I don't know that. Could be. Why do we have 62% of the students entering college with a faith commitment leave without one? I didn't, I didn't write this. You know where I got this? Off your website. I punched a little deal and it says copy, and then I pasted it. That's really neat how that works. I don't have a clue, but it's pretty neat. 30 to 40 percent of young Americans have no religion today. Why is that? Most campuses have organized evangel atheist student groups. Why is that? Why? Seventy percent of American youth drop out of church between the ages of 18 and 22. Why? Well, what's that got to do with Moses and God making our mouth? We are number five in the top ten best educated countries on this planet. I didn't write this. The Wall Street Journal wrote it. Now we was number four. But we fell to number five in the past year and a half. I don't know why. 
You know who's number one? Of the best educated country on this earth? Russia. Russia. What is the point of all this? Brothers, sisters, we are the elite of the earth in education. Number five. (coughs) 7.3% of the gross domestic product is spent on learning in this country. Why do we fear to tell the gospel? Why? It's just a question. What are we afraid of? Why all the percentages that we read a while ago that come off of your website? You see, we begin to understand we're not using our mouth to spread God's Word. We're not telling the lost the message that God wants them to hear. (coughs) In Psalms 12 and verse 4, it says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said with our tongue we will prevail, our lips are our own, who is Lord over us? (coughs) James says, Out of the same mouth, Proceedeth blessings and curses, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. (coughs) Paul told the Ephesians, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. You see, God owns your mouth. And God owns my mouth. How do we know that? We've been bought with the blood. Of the Son of God. If we're here today, baptized into Jesus Christ for the remission of our sins, we're bought with the blood of the Son of God. And God owns you. And God owns me. And He knows what we're capable of doing. And He knows what we're not capable of doing. And He would not ask you, and He would not ask me to do anything that He knew we couldn't do. He's not that kind of a God. He's just not. And He wouldn't tell Reuben Henson to tell the truth of a little baby born in Bethlehem. In a manger, wrapped in what? Swaddling clothes? If he knew that I could not do it, he wouldn't tell me to tell it. And he wouldn't tell you to tell the story if he knew you was incapable of doing it. He's not that kind of a God. We're bought with a price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I don't own my mouth anymore. You know why? 
Because God said, I own you. My son's blood bought you. And you're mine. And that's what he tells you. You're not yours anymore. You see, we're either a slave to God or we're a slave to Satan. It's one or the other. And we either serve God or we serve Satan. It's one or the other. Can't be both. (coughs) And God said, go. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every body. Now let me ask you a question. When he says every, how many does that leave out? One? Does it leave out one? When the word every, it's just like that little word all, A-L-L. How many does that leave out? And here's his message, go into all the world and preach the gospel to everybody. Why don't we do that? Why don't we do it? Have you ever read this verse for... I just turned 60 and I just found out what this verse meant. (coughs) God had not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. What's the context? What's he talking about? You know, all most of my life I thought of storms. You ever been, you know, big storm coming and the sky's black and, and the wind's blowing and the rain's falling and the hail starts falling. And all of a sudden somebody says, you know, God didn't give us a spirit of fear. We're in His grasp. And He'll keep us safe. So that's what I thought this verse was talking about. Most of my life. I thought about floods, sicknesses. Trials. Here's what it's talking about. Don't be afraid to die for the gospel. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, His prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Don't be ashamed. And don't be afraid you're going to be persecuted if you tell the story of Jesus. God has not given us a <coughs> spirit of fear. He just hadn't. That's what He says. And He can't tell a lie. What He has given us is power, love, sound mind. Don't be afraid to tell the truth about Jesus. 
How many times in this past seven days have we had the opportunity to sit down with loved ones, sit down with neighbors, friends, enemies? Just from last Lord's Day to this Lord's Day, how many times have we taken the opportunity to sit down and tell the truth about the little baby born in Bethlehem? Wrapped in swaddling clothes. How many times have we sat down and told them about the young boy? What, 12 years old? It got lost. You ever lose your kids? I don't know. I've never had kids. I'm just asking, you ever lost your kids? Joseph and Mary did. You know where they found him? The temple teaching. Twelve years old. Did you tell that story, truth, last week to anybody about the little boy, twelve years old, getting lost from his parents? Name's Jesus. Did you... Happened to tell them about the story about the young man being baptized in the River Jordan by John the Baptist. Or about the Savior hanging on the cross, tortured completely to death. Did you tell them about being put in a borrowed tomb? Did you tell him about on the third day he was raised from the dead? Did you tell him about 40 days later he ascended through the clouds? Sat down at the right hand of the majesty. See, either we did or we did not tell that truths about the Son of God. Jesus is His name to anybody. The last seven days, God's allowed us to live and go tell the story. Either we have or we have not. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Christ. Is that the reason we don't tell the story? Is we're ashamed of it? For it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul said, And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident (coughs) in my chains. What does that mean? It's just a question. What does it mean? Much more bold to speak the word without fear. These guys was being tortured for the cause of Christ. And the brethren became confident. They saw them being tortured. And it gave them courage to speak for God. You see, they stood up for Jesus. Did you ever get in a line here in the past year or so whenever Chick-fil-A stood up for God's family? Design of the family? Did we happen to notice on the news 
lines of cars. Did you get in a line? You see, when we saw this corporation stand for what God, and they started being persecuted by the media, did you happen to get in a line to support? Why did you do that? Because it gave you courage when you seen someone persecuted for the cause of Christ. The well, same thing happened 2,000 years ago with the apostles when their brethren seen them being tortured and it gave them bonus to speak out. What about Duck Dynasty? When he told the truth about homosexuality and the media started slamming him and then people started calling. Gave people courage to stand up, didn't it? Happened 2,000 years ago to the apostles. What about Hobby Lobby? (coughs) In Acts chapter 5 and verse number 40, (coughs) when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded them that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And it gave brothers and sisters in Christ courage to stand up and stand with and stand against Satan. They were commanded to speak the word of the gospel. Go, stand, speak in the temple to the people all the words of this life. They were doing what God told them to do. And when they did, it caused them to be persecuted. And when that happened, it caused the brothers and the sisters. It gave them strength to stand up for Jesus. Same thing happens today. If we'll just open the mouth that God knows we can use and has commanded us to use. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power. This is how God is going to use. This is what God is using to save a soul from a devil's hell. It's a plan of salvation. It's got to be told. And unless we open our mouth, the gospel is not spoken, then people cannot be saved. It's just that simple. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him whom they have not not believed? How shall they believe in Him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring the glad tidings, the good news of what? Jesus Christ to the hearers. We have a command to go. Go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel to everybody. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That is God's design of getting someone out of the clutches of Satan into translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. I didn't write that plan. God wrote that plan almost 2,000 years ago. Go tell the lost. Go tell the world. To everybody. 
The same voice that told Moses to go is the same voice that tells you and me to go. You ever thought about that? The same voice that spoke to Moses in that burning bush in the back of the desert at the mountain of God is the same voice that tells you to go. Don't want to hear your excuses. Don't want to hear your whining. Just want you to go and tell the truth about my son. Brothers and sisters, the statistics that you put on your webpage tells us one thing. We're keeping our mouths shut about the Son of God. And we'll talk about anything other than. You know, when somebody comes up to me and they start talking about airplanes, oh man... I just start slobbering. And you know that. Because I love flight. I don't have a problem. Some of you love talking about football, baseball. Some hunting, fishing. We don't have a problem in the world talking about the things. Why is it we have a problem with telling the truth about Jesus? Why? Don't we open our mouth and tell the story? It was prophesied that the church, that's you and me. So the word that Isaiah the son of Amos saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem... And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on top of the mountains. And shall be exalted above all the hills. And all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And He will teach us of His ways. And we'll walk in His paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Unless we tell them, they will not know, brothers and sisters. It's just that simple. <coughs> Jesus Himself said, No man can come to Me except the Father which has sent Me draw him. Well, how is He going to draw us? Through the Gospel. It is written in the prophets that they shall all be taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned. Listen real close. Hath heard, hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. I didn't write that. It was written about 2,000 years ago. And God the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. They must hear and they must learn. Then they will come to Jesus. It's just that simple. If they don't hear it, they can't learn it. If they can't learn it, they can't obey it. If they can't obey it, then they're lost. All because we 
didn't use our mouth. The same Jesus that said, go tell the world. It's the same Jesus said you must believe that He is the Son of God. It's the same Jesus that says we must repent. It's the same Jesus that says we must confess Him before men. And it's the same Jesus that said, He who believes and baptized will be saved. He knows what you can do. He knew you before you was ever thought of. He knew you before you ever was born. He knew you for the nine months, eight months, your mother was carrying you. He knows what you can do. He knows what I can do. And He's given us a job to do. And He don't like excuses. He didn't like the excuses Moses give. And brothers and sisters, He's not going to like our excuses. He's just not. The same God that knew us before we was born knows us and what we can do. Is the same God that says if we'll do it, He will add to the church daily. Now that doesn't say once a week. It says daily. That doesn't say once a month. It says every day. That doesn't say once a year. It says daily. If we open our mouth, and tell the story about the little baby born in Bethlehem. If we'll open our mouth and tell the story about the 12 year old boy that got lost. If we'll open our mouth and tell the story about the young man, Jesus, is baptized in the River Jordan by John. If we'll open our mouth and tell the story of the crucified Savior. And He did it for you. You know why? Because He wants you to spend forever with Him in a place called heaven. He really does. Unless we tell them, they will not know. They're not going to know unless we tell them. Some years ago, I was working at a flour mill. I was on my way home one afternoon about 3 o'clock, a little after 3. Got off at 3. 3 in the morning, 3 in the evening. is another 84-hour week, typical and normal. And I was tired. It was hot. I don't know if it's June, July, or August. All I know is it's hot. And I passed down Morton Street. Yancey knows where Morton Street. Sheila knows where Morton Street. They've been to our house plenty of time. Wow. Brought back memories, didn't it? On the street corner... There by West Park Shopping Center was a man. And he had a sign. Need work. I passed by him. He had long hair. He had a beard. I didn't really think about it. I thought to myself, 
Man, you got <coughs> signs in almost every store around here needing help, and you're standing out here begging. That's what I thought. About four or five days into this, I kept noticing him as I drove by. Well, see, I needed some leaves raked. I needed some uh, my yard mowed because I hadn't done it. And it was getting high. So I just thought, well, I'll just see if he wants to work. When I got almost to him, I sort of recognized, sure looked familiar. Roll down to punch the button on the pickup and the other window rolled down. And then it hit me. Classmate of mine. Way back when. Remembered him sitting in the front, in, in the seat right in front of me, in mechanical drawing. Roll down the window, and you know, before I could get anything out of my mouth, he says, Reuben, I thought you never was going to stop. You ever have a deer come in your headlights on a black dark night? You see, he recognized me probably from day one. I said, you need a job? He said, yeah, I need a job. I said, well, I got a yard and I got leaves. He said, I can do it. Took him a day and a half at least. That's how nasty and growed up it was. I paid him $30. And I made this statement to him. What are you doing begging? And he says, Reuben, I've been in Houston. You make $300 a day down there doing this. Can't do it here. You make good money in Houston doing that. I said, man, where's your pride? Don't you have any pride? No, there's nothing wrong with it. A couple of weeks went by, or a week went by. I noticed he wasn't there. A couple of weeks later... Almost three, I guess, to the day I let him out on the corner. I got a phone call from his mother. You know what she said to me? She said, Reuben, I want to thank you for being David's friend. I said, well, you don't have to thank me. How's he doing? I just want to let you know he committed suicide. Two weeks ago. Didn't have a reason to live. But I want you to know you were the only one in the world that he considered a friend. Not one time, not one time did I share God's holy word with David. Not one. Not one. Brothers and sisters, with friends like me, you don't need any enemies. I could, and I had the chance to share the only 
thing that could save this man. And I didn't do it. What's that to you? What's it to me? God's gave you and He's gave me a job. And He said, go tell the story of my son. With all my being today, tell your friends, tell your loved ones, tell your neighbors, tell your enemies about the Jesus. The little baby born in Bethlehem. About the boy Jesus getting lost. About the young man Jesus baptized in the river in Jordan. By the man, by a man named John. About the crucified Savior who gave His all for you. And wants you to spend eternity in heaven with Him. Tell the story of the Son of God. We know it is the gospel. If we can help you this morning, let your wishes be known as we stand and sing the song of encouragement.